0: Explore the weaponization of rap lyrics in the criminal justice system in the new documentary, As We Speak, Rap Music on Trial. Now streaming exclusively on Paramount Plus. Head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Terms apply.
1: Welcome to another podcast from InsideCarolina.com, the independent voice of UNC Sports. Brought to you by JohnnyTshirt.com, the go to provider for all your Tar Heel gear.
0: Good evening everybody. Glad you're here. Appreciate you joining us here on InsideCarolina.com and the Coast to Coast podcast. Uh, We actually are really excited to be here tonight. We're going to talk about um, some threads in the Inside Carolina message boards that have reached almost three quarters of a million views. Uh, That's really all we're here to talk about. No, I kid, I kid. Uh, You're listening to Coast to Coast. I'm Joey Powell. With me as always, Sean Moran, Cheryl McMillan, uh, it's been a busy, busy month for Inside Carolina, and these guys have been grinding. Sean's been looking at tape. Sherelle's phone bill is through the roof. Um, so I have no idea how I'm going to wrangle these guys, but the good news is they've given us some time to talk. Hopefully this episode will not change as quickly as the last one we did, where we came to you guys and brought you some analysis of coaching candidates, and then within twelve, you know, within 12 hours, UNC had, uh, announced or had, uh, agreed to, uh, to hire Hubert Davis as their candidate. So, man, we're, we're, we're trying to put content out for you guys and hope that it will, um, hope that you guys will have time to listen to it before the shelf life burns on it. But either way, we appreciate you listening. If you wouldn't mind, take a second. If you like what we're doing, stop and give us a review rate, all that good stuff. Um, if you don't like what we're doing again two sides of that coin. Let us know. We want to know if we're doing things poorly. Uh, We want to do them better. And we appreciate you being a subscriber to Inside Carolina. If you're not a premium subscriber, make that happen. I don't know how you have lived the past two weeks and been a UNC fan without having that premium subscription to get extra access and the extra notes and news that these two guys that are joining me tonight bring along with the rest of the IC staff. So make sure you guys take care of that. Rate, review, subscribe, uh, if you're watching this on YouTube, welcome. We appreciate you being here. And with that, let's get off and rolling. Uh, Sean, how you feeling, man?
1: Doing well. A lot of uh, a lot of updates and uh, news to digest over the the last week. Uh, but you know, it's been a busy
0: busy three weeks since the, the off season started. Absolutely. And, and hey, I want to give you a shout out before we start talking about it. It was a great read up you did on uh, a young man that we'll be discussing here in a second, Justin McCoy. If folks have not read that on the Inside Carolina Premium Message Boards, go check out the scouting report. It'll give you a lot more of an idea of who Justin McCoy, the player, is. Jarrell, hey, buddy. Hey, How you, are you, sir? Y- doing okay out there? I'm, I'm all right. Do- I'm doing all right?
2: Yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> man, did you get that? Did you get the care package I just sent you of, uh, of, of NyQuil and pillows?
2: Not yet. Not yet. Add
0: some, uh, add some crap cakes in there and maybe I'll accept it. Uh, That works too, (laughs) man. Listen, uh, boys, let's talk about what's happened in the last 48 to 72 hours for Carolina basketball. And, And I think the biggest thing came last week when Hubert Davis made his first scholarship offer after being announced on Tuesday to Justin McCoy, a forward who was in the transfer portal, is local to to Chapel Hill. I mean, if you want to count uh, Panther Creek High School, relatively local to Stone's Throw from Chapel Hill. Um, He had been offered by the Tar Heels during his original high school recruitment, but had been at uh, UVA for two years. And he decided he was going to transfer to North Carolina. As we know, transfer portal this year, a little different. We still assume, and Sherelle, correct me if I'm wrong, they have not passed the legislation Correct. Right. Correct.
2: They have they okay. not. They're not passed it. But um, uh, CBS for uh, Dennis Dodd reported today that they're expected to uh, either vote on it or discuss more, and voting on it later this week.
0: Okay. So we still have some movement towards what we anticipate here on the coast to coast and at InsideCarolina.com will be a uh, transfer free or a transfer for a year penalty free. Don't have to sit out. Just transfer, and that that would apply in this case with uh, with Justin McCoy, Sean. I alluded to it a second ago. Give me your breakdown of Justin McCoy, the player. I mean, I you know, based on his minutes at UVA, he he didn't get a lot of burn. You know, folks can insert their joke about the pace of play at Virginia if you want to right there. I know you probably have two or three teed up, but explain to our listeners and our viewers what Justin McCoy means as a piece on the floor for the Tar Heels.
1: First, I think it's all about expectations. Um, I think if you know, you're looking at this particular one as a guy that's going to come in and, you know, right off the bat average, 18 and eight, that's not not going to happen. Yes. (laughs) Um, And is he one of the top power forward, you know, fours in the transfer portal? No, but I think, you know, before Roy retired, when we had the transfer listing going, I think the top two guys we had were both from Colorado. Uh, And then when Justin McCoy announced had him pretty high up there. And I think there's a few, few reasons for that before getting to his game. But I mean, I think the one thing, the, the good thing in this situation is, you know, we, we saw the growing pains, the freshmen and sophomores had, and you look at this guy, he had, you know, 11 minutes, three points, three re- rebounds, like nobody's going to get excited about those stats, but at the same time, here's a guy that has had the two years of growing pains already. So you're getting a situation where you don't have, for the most part, you don't have to deal with that. There's still a lot of, you know, growth that needs to happen, but here's a guy I, you know, I I think he he would have started for UVA. I know they just brought in Gardner from ECU, but he was definitely. And once again, a lot of this stems from me just being bored one afternoon and watching the Miami (laughs) game that UVA played. Uh, And I kind of alluded to it in the, in the notes, but it was a, you know, once again, it was a UVA game, so it was sluggish, low scoring, uh, but they brought him off the bench, and he provided a spark. Now, this is just one instant, but I remember thinking, wow, he's kind of that typical UVA guy that is progressing, starting to hit his stride, will play a little bit more, uh, but then is going to be a real thorn in the side as a junior or senior, and once again, he, he hit three threes on the year, so he's not going to step out and just start uh you know really stretching the defense like i hope everybody you know which i think everybody hopes but he can knock down the mid-range um you know he's proven capable of the three he still needs some improvement off of that but he's also a guy that i think can attack with two to three dribbles uh from the you know 15 18 feet so once again i think that is more of the ideal uh big man that would be suited knock on what if armando comes back kind of suited next to him versus you know, the two fives that we saw. So in terms of the scouting report, very good rebounder, crook off his feet, uh kind of a good mid-range jump shot, still has a, a lot of improvement to go, but I think you're getting him at the right time. And I think he is a guy that can contribute immediately. Um, he is he has kind of the strength and athleticism where he could, if need be, guard a five just with how basketball is trending. But at the same time, if you put him in the pick and roll, he can switch out, out onto the perimeter. And is quick enough to guard that where you know teams aren't going to try to iso him and get him in mismatches because he can handle those. So once again, it's all about expectations. But I think he did his two years where he was growing and and now he's coming to Chapel Hill where he can hopefully have two years of of being a strong presence.
0: I'm glad you mentioned his his footwork on defense. That was something that I saw from your write up on uh, on IC that that was really good because if if we know anything. Uh, North Carolina has been exploited at times over the past few years in pick and pop situations where, you know, whoever their big is, has either not hedged very well, or has just gotten washed up completely in a, in a pick and roll situation. So I love that you mentioned his footwork and his, his ability to kind of get around those and, and stick with, uh, stick with his man. I also love that you brought up the trajectory with which he finished at UVA. And I don't want to say just because he's a former uh, Virginia player, but he kind of reminded me of de Diakite in a sense that the both had similar size, but Diakite really came on in what felt like his third or fourth sophomore season towards the end of their year. And then before you knew it, you know, he was there in year eight and nine and become a, had become a really uh, invaluable cog for what would eventually be a national championship team for Tony Bennett. Um, and yeah, those two guys are, are similar in size. I think uh, he's a little, a little heftier than Giaquite was, but um, I appreciate that. I, I, I do want to point this out too. Um, our boy Brian Ives are watching you uh, through this out on Twitter. Uh, he it, McCoy will be the first undergraduate uh, scholarship transfer to play for North Carolina since Maktar Jai in 1995. Sean, you had something else you wanted back with that?
1: Well, one, that's a pretty, I mean, fascinating stat just given Prior to this year, there hadn't been a lot of transfers out, but there were really, you know, there weren't any transfers in. Um, so, one that's interesting. But two, in terms of what you were mentioning, Joey, um, you know, probably not as quick off his off his feet um, as uh, as the UVA counterpart you were mentioning. But I think once again, he was he he was the one that you know got got COVID. So he uh, he did play against Syracuse, but UVA had to stop their season, and really at that point and then he didn't play against Ohio. And I think if they had gone, you know, they could have easily made made it two more games to the ACC championship. And I think you would have seen him, you know, really get minutes as that, you know, main backup four or five behind Hauser um, and Huff and the guy who was bringing kind of a different, a different skill set to that game or to their game. So, once again, I think it kind of benefited where – maybe he, he would have exploded a little bit more uh, and it would have been a little harder for him to get out. So once again, a lot is based on kind of projections, but I do think there's a baseline to make those projections.
0: Cheryl, do you want to share anything that you have about, um, about how the process went with regard to uh, the staff reaching out to Justin McCoy and, and you know, his quick commitment?
2: Uh, yeah, it was, you said it right, quickly. Um, I think uh, Tuesday night was Hubert uh, Davis's first night after his introductory press conference. I think that's when the UNC staff kind of uh, reached out. And then there was a subsequent call on Wednesday. And I think that Zoom call with McCoy really kind of pushed him over the top. Um, you know, Davis was familiar with him from uh, high school. He played against his son, Elijah, in high school a good deal. So there was familiarity there. Um, obviously they've played Virginia the last couple of years and he's he's played some. So there's familiarity there. And then the fact that, you know, like you both said, uh UNC recruited and offered him two years ago, there was familiarity there. So when he hit the portal, I think that was a kind of I don't want to say a layup, but it was an easy target for them just because of that familiarity. Um and I think that allowed it to move really, really quickly. Just being closer to home, um, a school that you know his family has, has liked a good deal and probably the school that finished second um, to Virginia the first time he committed uh, two years ago. And I'll say this too. I, I know, you know, Sean did a great job of kind of breaking down uh, what he's been at UVA. But coming out of high school, he was very much the guy that we always, or I always thought in my mind was going to be like when he got to Penn State, which is where he originally committed. <laughs> like how did, how did UNC and NT State and Duke and <laughs> Wake Forest let him get away? You know, he had that kind of feel to him. And I still like his game. And I think what I like most about him from a Carolina perspective, after talking to him, is the fact that he's not looking to come in and, you know, be the guy he's not looking for, 20 or 25 shots or anything like that a game he's not looking you know to get to get his and move on he said he's looking for an opportunity to showcase what he can do i know people don't like the word showcase but in this context an opportunity to do more i think is what he meant to be more versatile and then he wants to continue to win games because he did experience that at virginia so i think that is important for um a locker room that is still going to be a little bit young and that hasn't really experienced a ton of winning not saying that unc um, you know, hasn't, wasn't okay last year, but, you know, they haven't, haven't experienced the, the winning like Virginia has the last few years. So I think that uh, ha- having McCoy uh, experience with that and being around that culture can definitely help some of you UNC's young players because it's still going to be a very, very young team.
0: Yeah, I also noticed too, Cheryl, um, in the piece you guys wrote after you got quotes from Justin McCoy, uh, he mentioned that he felt like the Tar Heels were going to play fast and tough. Obviously, he sees himself fitting in, in in a in a a style more of that without knowing any more about how Hubert Davis is going to employ offense, or, or what he's what that's going to look like. Um, can you speak to that quote a little bit? Is is there anything you feel like may have jumped out at you that, that listeners and, and viewers and target fans can glean about a uh, you know potential style of play from Hubert Davis?
2: Well, he said he you know he wanted him as as a stretch forward, like Sean said. That's kind of the role they they're pitching to him. Um, in in the role he's accepting. I think I take that comment and I relate it back to Gregory Hall's excellent story about the JV team Mm -hmm. and and players and coaches who are around Hubert Davis. Uh, One of the JV players, I can't remember uh, which one it was, basically said that having the experience of being on JV and being on varsity, what they saw the difference between Roy Williams and Hubert Davis was is that Roy Williams was kind of more about execution of a certain play Mm -hmm. and Hubert Davis was more about effort. So I think... um, you know, you are what you emphasize. And I think for Hubert Davis, uh, emphasizing effort is going to be a big deal. And I think you start to see that come through in that quote from
0: Justin McCoy. Gotcha. Well, I appreciate you clarifying that. And I think that'll, that'll probably help folks who just hearing that effort. Um, you know, that's one of the things that Roy Williams said a lot the last two years is that he just, he couldn't reach those guys to get them to give the effort that he felt like they needed to do. So obviously, uh, Hubert Davis, at least will will be prioritizing that early on. Um, And that's about it. There's not a ton to talk about as far as, you know, UNC additions or subtractions or transfers. No, I'm sorry. I'm kidding. Um, I referenced at the top of the show nearly three quarters of a million views on two threads about a kid that already had entered his name to the transfer portal. And then with what seemed like a pretty boss move at his introductory press conference, and I still think it is, uh, Hubert Davis mentioned Walker Kessler by name. And just a few hours before we record, were recording this, uh, Walker Kessler announced on his Instagram that he would be transferring to Auburn. So obviously that's a huge win for Bruce Pearl and his staff. Uh, Walker Kessler, regardless of what you feel about the situation, Chapel Hill is a very, very talented basketball player, was probably the most highly uh, touted, at least coming out of high school, uh, recruit in the portal at this time. So, uh, Cheryl, I'm, I'm going to just go to you first. I think a lot of folks were shocked to hear his name in Hubert Davis's press conference. And then uh, whatever you're able to share, uh, I know you just put something up on Inside Carolina as we've been recording this, but w- what can you share about how that transpired and maybe what eventually led to uh, Walker Kessler deciding to go closer to home?
2: Uh, I think the first thing you can say, and maybe this is a higher level than just talking about Kessler, is that the Hubert Davis era, I think, from a recruiting standpoint, is going to be much more aggressive than we – maybe initially thought uh just in in hearing stuff over the last week and talking to people that's been for me kind of the biggest revelation is that you know he's going after it you know and he's not going to win all of them as we we see today but Mm -hmm. uh you know he's going to swing he's going to swing every single time um and and to me that was a bit surprising and maybe that's unfair to him because of his demeanor you kind of see on the Mm sidelines you'd expect someone who's you know going to I don't want to say conservative, would be safe in, in how they do things. But that was not the case with Kessler, like you said, from his opening press conference to, you know, calls to, um, you know, some things that happened on Thursday to more calls and um, some acquiescing on UNC's part and some meeting halfway and just a very um, different way of doing things than, than what UNC has done in the past. Mm. And, um, you know, it didn't work out obviously because the kid is going, because he's going to Auburn. Uh, but I think the message I received from a lot of people was that, you know, he did a, a really good job and that um, there, there's really nothing more that UNC could have done uh, to get Kessler back in Chapel Hill. Uh, so, you know, credit to him on that. You, you hate to lose a player as talented as Walker Kessler, but, mm-hmm. you know, we're sitting here recording this on Monday night, three weeks to the day that he announced his transfer. And if you would have said, you know, 17 days ago, is going to be neck and neck with a school 90 minutes, you know, 80 minutes from home for Kessler uh, for his signature to come back to Chapel Hill, you know, I I don't think anybody really would have believed you. So the fact that he was able to bring UNT from so far behind and essentially pull into a tie with Auburn this late in the game, um, you know, I think speaks highly of his effort, his staff's effort, um, and what UNT might be able to see on the recruiting trail moving forward.
0: Yeah, I want to make sure to hammer that home too. Uh, This isn't me necessarily – you know, singing the fight song or cheering on, you know, the party line or anything like that. But I think it's important for fans and subscribers to inside Carolina to recognize that just because Hubert Davis did not get Walker Kessler to come back to North Carolina is not a a loss or this big, huge black mark on his, uh, on his first attempt, right? Like it's, this was a very unique situation that as you said, Sherelle, 17 days ago was over and done with. So the fact that there was even a conversation to be had. And, and again, I still think it was a pretty, pretty awesome flex for him to make that mention during his press conference. I mean, that shows a lot of awareness and it shows a lot of tenacity that I think, um, you know, some Tar Heel fans may not have seen in quite some time. So just because the result wasn't what Tar Heel nation had wanted, I don't think it should necessarily reflect as uh, a full on referendum about Uh, hubert davis uh, and you know his his ability to recruit sean go ahead i'm sorry
2: i I was just going to say that and but the downside is you know it is still about playing basketball sure and kessler was the number one rated uh transfer by eric Bossi from 24 7 sports so i mean he was the the best transfer out there according to eric Bossi who knows what he's talking about um and there just aren't walker kesslers in the transfer portal (laughs) sitting there waiting for unc to snag so i think you know Again, looking from a high level perspective, I think UNC learned some lessons from this, and I think it's very instructive in how they're going to do things. But it does, um, you know, it does hurt them for for next year that they weren't able to land him. Um, but again, just the fact that they came from behind and, and had a shot, I think, is a is a big deal. So I don't want to minimize the fact that he's not going to be at UNC next year. But sure. I do think there are there are some positives to take from
0: it. That's a gap, and as soon as we as uh, we get back from our break, we'll talk about the actual holes in the roster in a second. Sean, I did want to give you a chance here. Uh, something that you touched on uh, actually before we started recording today, and I think it was very enlightening. I'd like to let, just let you elaborate it or elaborate on it about just you know how do you uh, h- how do you come back from uh, what was probably a tough situation? And as the Kessler said, it, he originally transferred specifically for basketball reasons. So do you want to elaborate on that a little bit
1: yeah i mean i think you know going through this whole, the whole week of when it was first announced on inside carolina that they were they're were reengaging discussions with kessler uh you know up in up until today where he went to auburn and he went through the hundreds of pages of of threads where you know usually i'd sign on and you know, it'd take me to where I was and then I'd, I'd skip around and see, see what the mood was. Uh, but I think I never really, you know, I think it would have been great if he had come Obviously, you know, no question about that. I think sure. in terms of even, you know, Sunday night when it seemed that confidence was, was getting higher. Uh, it, it's still to me, you know, the fact that they left and for Auburn or Gonzaga, whoever it may have been, it's, it's easier to pitch the vision uh, when you don't, I mean, you can just throw whatever you want out there uh, versus UNC, they can pitch a new vision with Hubert, but there was always going to be, you know, the thinking back to what, what had occurred. And to me, it was just going to be too hard for the, especially the family to kind of get over that versus a fresh start. Um, once again, not really knowing them or anything about it, but that, in my opinion, that's just how I was thinking of it. And, you know, I think once again, it'll be interesting to see how, Auburn does do next year because, you know, you have Jabari Smith, who is a true stretch four. Um, So are they going to play five out? Are they, you know, picking and popping all the time? It'll be be interesting to see. But I think at the end of the day, it's going to be hard to compete with just a new, fresh vision versus kind of an altered version of something new. So those are just my thoughts. And, you know, I I think the one thing on recruiting, the concern, and we'll see how this goes out you know, over the summer, but who are these targets that Hubert is going to lock in on? Um, Are they targets? Once again, I think Roy and the staff did a great job of not really targeting players that weren't UNC fits or, uh, you know, were maybe going to end up in the G League or overseas. But, you know, at times they did get stuck on the one and dones that for the most part you you knew weren't going to be choosing Carolina. Um, So is this kind of an example of that? Perhaps, but at the same time, it was a risk. But once again, it was wrapped up in a week. And at the yeah. same time, you know, why why not go after as as Sherelle said, the number one transfer on the market. So, you know, I, I think it's it's you know, not great that he lost it, but at the same time, it was a risk worth worth taking. Um, so I think once again, we'll see how the future shapes up. And at the very least, it was just kind of reps that he's building in terms of the, the recruiting pitch that he wants to give. So
0: we'll, we'll see. That's a great lens. And I also want to point out too, I think, um, I think Sherelle did a really nice job of, of putting this in summation about, you know, just, it was tough to overcome all of the things that last year could have been and then what last year ended up being. And that's not just basketball. That is very much a um, COVID in the Carolina atmosphere and so on. Shrell, you had something you want to tag on there?
2: Yeah, to your point, I think there's probably seven things that happened with Kessler over the last year <clears throat> at UNC. I won't go through the trouble of naming all of them, but I think if just one of them doesn't happen, he's probably mm-hmm. back in Chapel Hill, but all seven of them happened. Um, so it really was a, a confluence of just strange and unique and in COVID and away from home and, and all this good stuff. Um, and then I, I thought Sean had a great point too. Um, you know, it's going to be pressure wherever you go, because you are, you know, a top 20, top 15, seven foot one player who can do a lot of things and has a lot of skill. But yeah. I think the pressure at UNT, if we're being honest, would have been a little bit different uh, because every night. every night, every shot was going to be, a referendum on was Kessler right or was Roy Williams right. And it's a lot of pressure for a 19 year old to kind of handle um, kind of those two sides being pitted against together, whether or not it's accurate or not, that's the, that's what was going to happen. That's what the perception would have been was, oh, he went three for 10, you know, Roy Williams was wrong or, I mean, Roy Williams was right, or he went five for six Roy Williams was wrong. And I don't think that's fair to either party because um, I think, you know, it's probably a little more complicated than that. There's probably details that we'll never know. But I do think that kind of hung over all of this was just how the public perception would be. And I mean, there would have been more pressure at Carolina if we're being honest, and there is going to be at Auburn next year.
0: And Hey, look, this isn't <laughs> calling out anybody in particular, but if the last 72 hours have showed us anything, it very well could have been a situation in one half of basketball where see, Walker Kessler was right or see Roy Williams was mm-hmm. right in the same half, right? Mm-hmm. Like that's, and that's not necessarily a, a recipe or a, a level of water that anybody wants to try to paddle their boat in. Um, take a quick break. I want to mention our good friends at Johnny T-shirt. Johnny T-shirt is not going anywhere. Johnny T-shirt is not entering the transfer portal. Johnny T-shirt is sticking around through COVID through pandemic. Uh, they don't need to stick in NCAA waiver exemption because Johnny T-shirt is still a part of the Chapel Hill community and will be. Uh, And we want to make sure you guys are showing them the love. Uh, Hit them up, johnnytshirt.com. They have all of the gear. It's warm outside now. I have the air on in my house. I've been wearing shorts nonstop. Go ahead and go check out Johnny T-Shirt. Get your summertime uh, beach gear, your summertime hiking gear. Uh, What are those really, really short shorts that Ross Martin wears? They have those, I'm sure. Uh, But hit up johnnytshirt, johnnytshirt.com premium subscribers, you get your extra 10% off the top. So make sure to use that code, make sure to patronize Johnny t-shirt shop in store curbside pickup or online, have them deliver it to you with the quickness. Either way, make sure you're taking care of Johnny t-shirt because they take care of inside Carolina. They sponsor this podcast. They sponsor just about all of IC's content. We love them and we want you to love them too. Take a quick break and let the national guys drop some ads in here so that they can also help pay our bills We will be back in just one second. We're going to talk about the current makeup of who is on the roster for UNC right now and what happens next for Coach Hubert Davis and his staff on the recruiting trail. We'll be right back in just one second.
2: Go. Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning is now streaming on Paramount+. Hang on! It's off the charts spectacular. Go, go, go! Tom Cruise has outdone himself. The world's coming after you. Stay out of my way. Prepare for one of the best action movies ever made. This
0: is getting exciting.
2: Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning. Now streaming on Paramount+. Rated PG-13. Some material may be inappropriate for
0: children under 13. Hey, welcome back. Thanks for sticking around. We appreciate it. We want to now switch our view here on the coast to coast podcast on insaccarolina.com. We want to take a look at of who is on the roster for the UNC Tar Heels right now. uh, What do things look like next year and what's going to happen with regard to who's next to be sought out in the transfer portal? Uh, Are there other high school players that, that may be on the radar? Um, Sean, I'm going to go to you first. You know, we had talked about North Carolina needing another big. Hubert Davis has kind of professed, and you guys doubled down on that, like the, his activity next year is going to be less about a two-big system. Uh, but they are going to need some depth in the post. What do you see as just kind of an instant, this is our shopping list for the North Carolina Tar Heels for next year. What, what are priorities one and priorities two? I think priority one is making
1: sure that Armando – uh does does return because i think if he if he does not then (laughs) it could be a long season where now you've gone from the four bigs to zero bigs um and i think once again armando could easily have uh an all acc if not greater uh potential next year um so i think that's number one i know it's kind of alluded oh he's going to test and come back but at the same time all it takes is one agent or one team to yeah make some type of promise and now all of a sudden mccoy is your only big and you haven't really hit the transfer portal that hard and you know now (laughs) now you're running and gunning with a bunch of small guys so that's one one thing um and i think that's going to weigh over the program for a little bit and then you know i have always thought that unc has done great when they've had the three three bigs that they can just kind of interchange. We saw that in Notre Dame where it was only three versus trying to do the four. So is that adding another kind of four or five player to the mix? Uh, That would obviously help depth. You know, we've seen Armando, if he does come back, get in foul trouble Um, plus injuries. You never know what could happen. So looking for another four or five is, is I'd say high on the list. And once again, we've talked about, you know, adding, you know, a, a high level three, It does not seem like they have really looked at, at doing that as of, as of yet. And I think with, with UNC, you know, they've been, which is also why McCoy was a great addition because they're in a little bit of a tough situation where they do have a lot of guys returning. A lot of those guys will kind of have expectations in terms of role and, and playing time versus some of these sec schools that are loading up with kids, you know, Arkansas, for instance, they're loading up on the transfer portal, but they've kind of got in this other one and done where, you know, there's a guaranteed starting spot available for these positions and there's really no depth. So once again, would love to add a, you know, a 40% three point shooter that can attack as well, but it doesn't seem like they're really focusing on that at the same time, there's 1200 plus names in the portal and, (laughs) you know, there's some good ones for sure, but there's all, you know, there's also ones how will they adjust to Carolina Adjust to the, you know, a lot of adjustments to be made. So really for me, it's, can Armando return? And, you know, is there another big they can provide that can be an adequate, you know, 12, 15 minute guy.
0: Cheryl, I'm going to, I'm going to go with you. I mean, are, are we assuming at least inside Carolina has been reporting that Armando is going to test and indicators are that he will probably return, but, throwing that is is there anything else that we're missing potentially as far as as his situation goes and then I'll throw the same question to you about about the roster holes and and what should be top of the shopping list
2: I don't don't think there's anything missing but you know done deals aren't done deals until they're done (laughs) deals Um, so I would caution everybody on that Um, and then as far as the roster is concerned uh, I think they have I think they have a lot of talent I know um, because of what's happened in the last couple of years, people are questioning that. Yeah. But, uh, and we'll, we'll say it again, for the 97th time, those guys were freshmen last year, the majority of them, and they're going to get better. They're going to improve. Um, I think now Caleb Love it becomes even more important than he was before. This is kind of a situation where if Armando does come back, you know, it's it's Caleb, it's, uh, it's uh, Armando, and it's Kerwin Walton kind of as the three leaders on offense, and then R.J. Davis – excuse me. And McCoy kind of, kind of helped from there. Um, But Caleb and Armando, I I think have to be the guys for UNC next season. And if they can continue to elevate their play, like Sean said, if Armando can be a first team, all ACC type uh, and Caleb love can, you know, improve his shooting percentage a little bit and cut down on the turnovers a lot. then I think there's a, a, there's room for North Carolina to be a good team next year. Now they do have holes. I mean, right now, Leaky black and Justin McCoy are the tallest players on the roster who are guaranteed (laughs) to be there. Um, So they're going to have to add some size and um, there are 1200 players in the the transfer portal or 1300, whatever it is. So they'll find someone. Uh, But to Sean's point, it's just a matter of whether or not that player fits Uh, frankly, how good they are. If they're just kind of a placeholder for, for depth, Uh, you know, all those things come into play, but I I do think uh, Davis and his staff will, try and uh, play to the strengths of this particular roster Uh, you know we kind of things about uh, their style of play are are leaking out a little bit we we expected to be a little the same kind of up tempo, the same Carolina principles but a little better spacing and uh, maybe some small ball a little bit more Um, and I think this roster has a chance to be able to do that you know well um, but a lot again will depend on Armando and then uh, what excuse me what else they can find in the transfer portal so we know they need at least one more big and I think from what we've heard they also are still looking for a shooter Um, I know the backcourt is crowded and and the wing seems crowded but they still want somebody who can come in and shoot so um, I think those are the things to look out for as they scour the high school ranks for someone who decommits or ask out of their letter of intent and the transfer portal.
0: You know, I think it's, it's important that you mention that. Yeah. The obvious depth issues are, uh, at the four and the five positions. Um, but by the same token, and you hinted on it a little bit, and I thought I want to make sure the listeners and viewers get this, if they're going to play a little small ball and you can get another score on the wing, you take that score. Right. And let the other stuff sort itself out. I mean, we just got done watching an NCAA tournament where some of the, um, actually for the last this year and also, you know, two years ago, um, or whatever the last tournament was pre-COVID, uh, you've seen teams that are a little uh, a little better at not playing traditional-style ball and running more of that, you know, just five defenders running at you and scoring however they can. So I, I think that's something that's important. Think um,
2: about what they lost, Joey. I mean, <laughs> that's, Sterling Manley, uh, you know, a, a basically a seven-footer. Yes. Armando Baycott, you know, may come back, may not, 6'10". Aaron Sharp, you know, probably not coming back, 6'10. Walker Kessler not coming back, 7'1. Walker Miller, even though he wasn't a scholarship player, seven foot. Seven foot. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, so they've they've I'm sure I lost. And Garrison Brooks, you know, a center, longtime center, entered a transfer portal. He's six nine. So I mean they've lost just a lot of size. Like it's it's almost impossible to think like, wow, they lost six
0: guys, 42 feet of dudes.
2: Yeah. Six, six (laughs) guys who are six, nine or taller. So, um, they might not have a choice, but to play a different style, depending upon what happens with the portal and what some of the high school guys.
0: And who knows, you know, playing a different style or just trying to go out there and put the best players on the floor and seeing what you can do might be good for a brand new coach in his first year, in his first season. Um, Guys, while we're talking about, you know, filling out the gaps on the roster before we, we, we wrap the show this week, uh, you know, who's the, who are the Tar Heels going to target next? I know there's been some talk about uh, Jonas Idu uh, and whether or not he's a viable option. We don't know. There has not been an offer extended to him yet. Um, it doesn't seem to be any other high school folks out there. Sherelle, I know you mentioned, you know, unless someone else asks out of their letter of intent, uh, it just doesn't seem to be a lot of the class of 21. So, I think that does leave the transfer portal. Sean, I know you did a great write up about two weeks ago, which, you know, in Carolina basketball news time right now seems <laughs> like it could have been 1977. <laughs> but you did a good write up of some of the targets that were uh, potential for North Carolina. How many of those guys are still uncommitted as of right now, if I can put you on the spot?
1: Uh, you are putting me on the spot. I, I don't know, but I know that. I'm a jerk. You know, like I, that. I, I was, you know the Colorado guys are the ones that I.
0: Yeah. personally
1: was really liked and thought could be good fits and um you know they're gone and then you know once again McCoy was up there I think Gardner was more towards the bottom of the top 10 um but he
0: committed to Virginia earlier today
1: He committed to Virginia um so I think it's going to be worth refreshing <laughs> refreshing that um I I mean there's still some I'd say solid ones in there I don't think there's a lot of you know, difference, difference makers, uh, at the more at the four or five spots. Uh, but you know, there's quality, there's quality players in there. And I think once again, you're probably, I think it's slowed a little bit right now, but you're going to see guys that are, t- you know, testing the NBA, the NBA waters and, you know, whenever they get the news, whether it's late April, May, early June, whatever it is, maybe they decide, Hey, I'm not coming back or that maybe there's not a spot for them. And now there's, you know, a few other players that are coming into the mix and then it becomes of how quickly can you adapt and do the research and, and target them. But right now, I mean, there's, even when we were going through that exercise two and a half weeks ago, it was almost a struggle building a top 10 of kind of fitting in. All right. You know, here's a guy, Timmy Allen, great player from Utah. But most likely, you know, probably ends up on the West Coast. Is it a fit at Carolina? So he'd be, you know, a number one option realistically. But is there a the fit? Probably not. So it, it was hard kind of going through that exercising and, and even finding 10 guys. And now you have, you know, at, le- at least half, if not more, uh, that have have decided their school. So it'll be interesting to, to see. Um, but one, one last thing to add on kind of the potential roster for next year I think you know once again it would have been great to have Kessler it would have been great to see his improvement but at the same time you're still rolling out two true fives and you're still struggling on defense getting put in pick and roll so I think this will allow that creativity a little bit more from both offensive and defensive perspective and still give some of those players a puff of RJ Anthony Harris that I think we all think have potential but uh, didn't really get to show it Their freshman freshman year um
0: put some pressure on them but at the same time it still gives them the opportunity so i'm gonna play a little turnabout here Uh, i'm going to play the role of sherelle mcmillan and be positive but i'm gonna ask sherelle mcmillan a question about some positivity and see if he might be able to play along for our listeners sherelle new coach new style of play new system also brand new potential way to get talent in this year's transfer portal situation with the, with the waiver coming. Could that potentially open up some guys combined with what Sean was saying about guys who have declared now or waiting to see what their pro potential looks like, um, or guys that may still be considering transferring anyway. Is that something that we're, you know, in a month, two months, this could look better for North Carolina than, uh the dire situation i think that everybody's sitting sitting home and and scratching their heads with right now
2: um first of all i don't know how i got the rep of being the positive guy but have you ever seen because i'm 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 on the pod next to you (laughs) well have you ever seen me tweet during dallas
0: like dallas games like i'm the most negative you're a a different dude during dallas cowboys football (laughs) we all know that we love that about you let's let's set that aside let's compartmentalize your trauma in irving texas and let's talk about this
2: so i think uh better might not be the right choice of words i think uh different could could definitely happen but I mean, again, not to make a lot, you know, light of this, but you know, Kessler is a really talented player. I know everybody's like, oh, four, four and a half points a game and three point five rebounds, but <laughs> there's a reason he was Hubert Davis' top priority from the yeah. second he got the job. It's because he's really talented and he's really good and he's you know seems like he's poised for a breakout. So I don't know if they're gonna be get anybody better than that. I think what we've learned from Hubert Davis, and we talked about this earlier, was that he wants to play hard. He wants to play tough. You know, Joey loves dogs. And I think that's what, that's what Hubert Davis wants. So I think the play now for UNC is to try to find these good players, but also find guys who are hungry, find guys who want to prove themselves, not guys who are just coming somewhere uh, to you know play for Carolina and get free Jordans and enjoy the lifestyle, get people who want to come in and work hard, as the kids would say, hashtag grind, do all those good things. That's one of the reasons I think they like McCoy a good deal, because they feel like he's that type of guy. So you can win without uh, Baylor's proven it several teams have proven it you can win without the top you know shelf elite you know top 10 talent is possible um, but you can't do it if those guys aren't hungry if those guys um, are uh, comfortable and I think what we're going to see with Hubert Davis is that uh, him and his staff aren't going to allow guys to be comfortable moving forward so if you can find two or three guys who are ready to ready to roll ready to work hard then I think they could have a a good decent to good season next year, but it has to be the right guys. Right. Um, And you know, you're going to, it's going to be, there's going to be a talent difference, but you hope that the effort and the want to, and all those things that sometimes can be cliche make up for the lack of talent uh, relatively.
0: I know that there's not just this abundance of these dudes out in the portal right now, or maybe there are, and yeah, there's just so many names, you can't really see them, but if there is a chance right now for this Tar Heel staff to go out and pluck one or two six five to six six, you know, muscular type dudes that have some absolute junkyard dog in them, uh, that maybe they played in in um, a middle tier conference, maybe they played in the MAC, maybe they played you know in the Big West or something like that. Um, I know the big West is kind of a reach, but I'm trying to, I'm trying to make Sean feel good because he's in California. Okay. Um, Sean, there's some Pepperdine love for you. Um, Pepperdine West coast conference. Um, maybe, you know, maybe we can find, uh, a couple of guys like that. Uh, I think that would be not only entertaining for us to cover here at inside Carolina, but that's the type I think of, of team or want to, that would really help a coach in his first year at a program as his first year as a head coach.
2: And but, you, have, you have to you have to kind of forget what you think you know about Carolina basketball. Yeah. We know that Hubert Davis said he's going to build the program on the foundations of what Coach Smith and Coach Guthridge and Coach Doherty and Coach Williams did. However, we don't know what that next part looks like yeah that's the foundation but yeah. where are you going to change in the middle so it could be a situation where he's perfectly fine with Armando is the the six ten center is, is the one in and then you have a 6-7 football player who's you know mm-hmm. 6-7 245, and is running over people and then you have a couple of guards who can shoot you know we, we just don't know um so I would I would urge everyone because it's like oh well they've got you know one big guy and they've got McCoy right now if B- B- Bacock comes back Maybe that's what he wants. You know, maybe he wants two big guys and, and a stretch four and that's it. It's just, we don't know. Um, so I would caution everyone to just give us some time. He's been in the job for one week, like literally one week. Yes. And I think it's very easy to say, look, he, he failed. He failed with his first recruiting uh, pitch You know, to Walker Kessler. He was a failure. But I, I, again, I'm not trying to toe the company line or anything. And this is coming from people not direct, you know, connected to UNC, but the fact that they were able to like come back in that recruitment, man, is a big deal, because it was done, you know, signed, sealed, delivered. He was never coming back to Chapel Hill, and it, it was, it was very tenuous. It, it was there was a strong chance that it was going to happen within the last twenty-four hours, and then things changed. Uh, so I think people should consider that when they start talking about Hubert Davis, his recruiting acumen, what's happened this first week. He went toe to toe, you know, with a school that's closer, uh, with a school that doesn't have the scars from this past season that Kessler experienced and still almost won.
0: Look, I'm judging anybody who says that not getting Walker Kessler was a failure. I'll, I'll go on record to say that right now. If you're, if you're calling that a failure for your coach, then you're looking for something to be mad at. I just, I got nothing else for you, Sean, give you a chance for your two pennies for before we say goodnight.
1: Well, yeah, I mean, just on that, once again, it goes to Hubert getting that chance to be, you know, the head coach and, you know, give his vision, but it also gives Sean May, you know, who hadn't been on on the recruiting circuit, a chance to, you know, once again, get some, get some live reps. Um, It'll be interesting to see how the, I think the coaching search is obviously going to be the, you know the hot topic for you know the next week to see to see how that goes and then you know once again it'll be interesting just to keep tracking who they're talking to and who they're reaching out to from a recruiting standpoint uh, because I think at least from a, a big man perspective you know last year when we were doing those the you know the fits for all the players in this class yeah you know it, it still could you know you have the five five star players but as NBA is trending, you know, the big centers aren't, you know, what everybody wants, but here you are. And it should be, even if Armando comes back this year, it should be open season, you know, to be able to recruit a talented big guy for the next one. So gives them, gives them reps with Kessler um, and still gives them the ability to create their own identity next year. So.
0: Well, I appreciate you throwing that, uh, that, not quite totally skewed optimism, but, uh, <laughs> but objective view at the potential future for the Tsar Heels. I, I like that. I like to wrap that. Um, Sherelle, appreciate you being here. Get some rest, please. Sean, thanks for being here. Uh, I know you had a full day of work uh, and are just now finally getting a chance to go get some dinner. So thank you guys for joining us on this episode of the Coast to Coast podcast. Big shout out to John Siegley for producing. Thank you all for watching. If you have not, rate, review, subscribe, all that good stuff. Shout out to Johnny T-Shirt for sponsoring. As always, I am just Joey Powell for Sean Moran, for Sherelle McMillan. We will catch you next time on Coast to Coast. Late.
1: Thanks for listening to another podcast from InsideCarolina.com. Brought to you by T-Shirt.com, Where to go for your next Tar Heel gear purchase.
0: Citizen Sleuths are focusing on the brutal
1: slayings of four college kids.
0: A new Paramount Plus original docuseries.
1: This is the start of something major.
0: Follows online detectives as they unravel the mystery of the infamous Idaho college murders. There's plenty of places to hide a weapon. And turned it into a social media phenomenon. Quit as a roommate. It is a huge night. I want the truth from you. Hashtag Cyber Sleuths. The Idaho Murders. Now streaming exclusively on Paramount Plus.